You're listening to Heart and Hustle Podcast, where we boss so hard. I'm Angelica Yard. And I'm Charisma Moran. Join us every week to discuss entrepreneurship, creativity, business, balance, and life. Take control of your business and your life, and never forget to dream big, work hard, repeat. Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome. It's now almost St. Patrick's Day. Yes, it's my favorite time of year. I'm a proud, happy Irish girl married to an (laughs) Irish man, so we take St. Patrick's Day very seriously in our house. We actually have kind of like St. Patrick's Day decor like hidden in the house like all the time though. (laughs) Like some people are like, what's that shamrock about? And I'm like, you know, that's just how we roll. (laughs) That's real life. Yeah. That's real life. I'm actually getting ready to leave and go to WordCamp Atlanta, which is super exciting. I'll be speaking on um, content strategies for WordPress. Can David Periscope it? He won't Is that be allowed? There. <laughs> no, where is he going to be? He's going to be watching the kit. It's sold out. Too, oh, right? gotcha. And yeah, like it's sold okay. out like right. Like I was like, maybe you should get a ticket and it's in the Okay, out. well, I'm, I'm sure we can find figure someone, it out. Yeah, find someone in the front row and be like, hi, Charisma wants to see this and just don't explain anything to them and just hand them your periscope. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll work. I think we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll definitely do so. I've been talking to people who are organizers there and they're just... On the ground running all the time. They're having 700 attendees. Like, it's a it's a big deal. So I'm super excited. That's going to be awesome. To, to do it. But speaking is something that I promised myself to do more of this year. I um, began public speaking two years ago. And so I've kind of been a little bit, a little bit. And now I'm like two conferences already booked. And I'm like, oh, no. So I'm really excited today because we I have know. a public speaking coach or a communication rebel here with us and it's which I'm, I'm excited to find out what a communication rebel is yes and also I'm just very I want to speak more like I've talked to you about trying to commit to that and we're actually kind of working on a project that has to do with that together um but yeah I'm afraid to even hear myself on the podcast <laughs> most of the time right. <laughs> like I, I start to listen then I turn it off so I'm like this is definitely going to be a very helpful day for me awesome <laughs> so we have Michelle Mazur here with us today hi Michelle hi Michelle hello Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I'm so happy. And Michelle, you're based in, oh, you're on the West Coast, so where are you located? I'm in Seattle, Washington. <gasps> oh, Yay! I'm visiting street. Seattle this fall, and I'm really, really excited. I've never been. Oh, it's great. It all depends when you come in the fall. Like, if you're here September, October, you'll be fine. November is really bad. Like, is the it, weather gets really bad. What it, Like, bad how, though? <laughs> rain. Lots okay, well, rain. see, I'm a Floridian, yeah, so, it like, rains. it rains every day here to the point where, like, you don't even just, you just don't even care about, like, an umbrella or anything like that, because you're just like, whatever, like, it's just going to rain on me, you know? Um, but it's a cold rain. Like, you know, Florida, it's like a nice warm rain. This is a cold rain with wind, so it rains, like, sideways. Oh, yeah, sideways. It, yeah. Like the hurricane rain. Yeah, hurricane rain. Tropical yeah, storm yeah. Rain. We get that. We get, well, we don't get cold. It's not, we'll occasionally get cold rain, like, a few times during the winter, but normally it's mo- more like walking through, like, a, a hurricane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even when it's not a hurricane, right. it just kind of has Actually, that whole. Actually, I say this, here's a Walmart that's not too far from where we are. And every time I go to this Walmart, it rains, like that hard rain. I'm always wearing flip-flops. And so my flip-flops always break when I go to the Walmart. Uh, so I don't go to the Walmart here anymore. I'm not kidding. Every time. Yeah, I don't I don't appreciate that rain. But I, I, I think I might like a little bit of cold rain. But I think we're going to try to shoot for 
earlier fall. Um, okay. So September, October. And now that I know that, that'll make me push forward even more. Because we're, we're kind of doing a trip to a few different places, and we're starting kind of in Seattle first, and then working our way to some different places from there. So uh, my husband and I have been considering moving there, and that's his, like, top choice. Oh, it's a great place to live. It's just... And, I mean, and honestly, the weather's been getting, with global warming, the weather's been getting better and better here. Right. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. It's getting worse and worse And here. I feel like you have a great um, creative community out there. I know, uh, for me, Creative Live, where I take, like, a lot of photography classes and yeah. stuff, they're based out of there. And they always yeah. seem to have, like, cool stuff happening there. And I'm like, oh, man, this looks great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Seattle is great for creative entrepreneurs, like, with, you know, Creative Live, and there's all, um, there's a co-working space that's downtown that's for entrepreneurs, and they're always doing super interesting events. So it's a great place to live if you want, if you're a creative entrepreneur. That sounds Yay. amazing. See, this is meant Get to be. It. It's meant yes. to be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we're so excited to have you here with us, and we just want to we want to talk about you. So, like, what is your background, and how did you end up becoming a communication rebel? Yeah, so my background, speaking has been something that I've been doing probably now for, like, over 20 years. Wow. And for me, speaking began much like it does for most people. I was forced to take a public speaking class in high school. Yes. And <laughs> I was a shy and very awkward kid, and I never spoke up in class. So that public speaking class was terrifying for me. But not only that, the boy I liked was in the class. No, no. Yeah, and he sat in the front row. And all I remember about my first speech was, my, my knees were knocking underneath the table and I had the like the death grip on the lectern and the boy I liked was sitting in front of me and it was just awful. Oh my goodness. But at the same time, there was something that in my head that was like, this is a really important skill for you to master and you need to learn more and do more with this. So I ended up, you know, signing up for advanced speaking much much to my mom's chagrin because I got a C in my first public speaking oh, class no. and she's like, dude, this isn't your strength. What are you doing? <laughs> but I did it anyway. And eventually that C led me to a PhD in communication. Oh, so wow. I loved speaking so much. I joined the speech and debate team in college. Awesome. And then I went on and got my master's degree and did some coaching in public speaking and became a professor at the University of Hawaii. Wow. And I was a professor for about five years, and although I love teaching communication and I love the research, I didn't love living in Hawaii. Oh, what? No. I don't understand. Ah. <laughs> I know, people say that. So two things, like Hawaii is the most isolated island chain it's in true. the entire world. So when you move there, you are five hours to the West Coast, mm -hmm. you are seven hours to Japan. So you are literally in the middle of the ocean. And at the time, I was also single. And the men in Hawaii want to date exotic women, but Polish girls from New York are <laughs> not the kind of exotic that they were oh, looking for. No. So, <laughs> so I made the decision to like moved to Seattle and I didn't start my business right away because I was kind of scared to start a business to be honest and I went into market research which was 
a mistake now right. that I look back. I got a lot of business out, sense out of it, so that was really good, but being in corporate is not my jam. So what I ended up doing after being in corporate is I started a blog about speaking. Like I was like, okay, I have all of this knowledge in my head. I need to share it. And so I just started blogging and through blogging, I got like one of my first clients that way. And that was amazing. And from there, I just developed into what I call, you know, being a communication rebel. And one of the things about me is that I always take a very contrary view to almost everything. Like I had to be a nightmare to work with I love when that, I was in corporate. Because if you asked me to do something, I'd be like, hmm, I think there's a better way to do this. Why are we doing it this way when we could do it this way? I mean, I probably drove people nuts. And for me, when I was like looking at the public speaking advice out there, like some of it was a just very generic and bland and I got sick of reading articles like the 35 skills you must have to be an amazing public speaker yep I know those articles (laughs) no one's gonna master all of those and even if you did you might not still be an amazing public speaker (laughs) so that's so I'm always like "Eh, is that true I don't think so and here's what I think instead so I'm always about you know, looking at public speaking advice in a different way. And I'm very much about people and speakers becoming more of who they are on stage instead of following some formula or template or or standard advice. Yes, I love that. I do agree. I think um, we started to go to more conferences and just in the past two years and go to more talks and doing creative mornings. And the ones that stick out to me the most are the ones where I felt like the person was being completely themselves and just being honest and being raw and authentic. And I think that just makes a bigger difference in us in a speech. And that's what I try to achieve to be. I try to be as authentic as possible. It's not the easiest thing to do because it's been drilled in your head. I feel like in high school, I also took a public speaking class and it was kind of like, do these things and make sure you do this and worry about your hands and all that weird stuff. So (laughs) get in your head a bit. (laughs) I totally agree. So what exactly is a public speaking coach? Like what exactly do you do on a daily basis? And when you're working with clients, like what exactly, how does the magic happen? Yeah. So I feel like there are two different types of public speaking coaches, well, maybe three. So there are public speaking coaches who really focus on delivery and stage skills. So these are the people who are going to help you block your talk and help you with vocal variety gestures and that kind of thing. And then there are coaches who work more on like the speaker marketing and getting you booked for gigs. And then there's what I do, which I feel is like the first step on your public speaking journey, which I focus on the messaging. So and the content of your talk because I firmly believe that content is confidence when it comes to public speaking and if you have a solid message then it is so much easier to go out and deliver it well because even if your delivery sucks one day if you still have great content people will still get value from your talk so I really specialize in that messaging aspect of it. That's awesome. It definitely is very stressful. I think a lot of people, especially creative entrepreneurs, kind of freak out about the idea of having to pull together content that you are very knowledgeable about about, to share it with other people. I think that's the first step is the hardest. I know it is for me. 
Well, and I think what's interesting is, especially with creative entrepreneurs, we're very idea-driven. And mm-hmm. so most people come and work with me because they have way too many ideas. <laughs> oh my God, maybe I need to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that makes it harder to like to write or distill your message because yes. you think, I want to present all of the things because mm-hmm. that creates value. When really what's valuable to your audience is a very small sliver of the knowledge that you have in your head. So getting to that core of your message and figuring out what you want to be known for, that is the most important step to take when you're thinking about having a public speaking career. That's so true. I love everything you just said. I just want to like bottle it up. I know. And like share it with the world. I feel like I'm taking a master class. Right, right I am. Like, <laughs> we're all like just staring like what is she going to think of next? It's amazing. No, it is true because I feel like, like you said, creative entrepreneurs, we just have so many ideas. And I think we're also just worried because a lot of times we're speaking amongst our peers mm-hmm. versus speaking amongst someone that's not as knowledgeable. So we're also worried about the judgment and the amount of yeah. knowledge that we have, which is why we come with so much knowledge. We're like, we need to show that we're actually qualified to be speaking about this, which isn't really the case. You just need to deliver it in the right way. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's a little bit of the imposter syndrome that comes in. Yes. Like, who am I to be speaking on this? Yes. But also when you're, when you're speaking to your peers, there's going to be things that you know that they don't know. And that's why you're there speaking to them. You have nothing to prove. Mm. It's just, you want to share your knowledge in a way that makes sense for your audience. And so part of this is I take a very audience-centered approach when I'm working with my clients because it all starts with the audience like figuring out like what do they know what are their problems what are their challenges how can your message help them is critical in whittling away all of the ideas you have to get to the core of your message awesome well I want to know which is something because I like I said this is like my third or fourth speaking gig but what are the most common mistakes that people make during their speeches? Because I feel like, for me, I forget words, and I'm sure people who listen to this podcast can have clearly heard it, that I just <laughs> blank out on blank words out. all of the time. But what are other common mistakes that people make when they're approaching public speaking? Oh, I think, well, number one we were just touching on is the too much information, you know, or they approach writing their speech like a blog post. Oh, like yeah. I was having a consult with someone and he's like, oh yes, my topic is 18 ways to blah, blah, blah. Oh no. And I want to give a 20 minute speech and I'm like, uh, no. (laughs) Like that's, that's not a great topic because the speech isn't a blog post and your audience doesn't process a speech like they do a blog post. So I, I always get very weary when people are like the five ways to do blah, 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 or the seven principles for success or whatever it is. Whenever I hear a number that's over three, I'm always like too much information, too much. (laughs) So I think that is one of the big mistakes. And the second one that I see all of the time is blowing the introduction of the speech because if you think about it how many times have you been at a conference when somebody gets up on stage and says hey everyone I'm so happy to be here today right thank you so much for having me and then they start some chit chat and the the first 30 seconds of your speech it's 
the most valuable property that you have in a speech because that is when the audience is going to decide whether or not they want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And there's neuroscience that's based on this that, you know, when as a speaker, we present from our, our the higher level of our brain that does like problem solving. Right. And that's where we're operating from. But our audience like listens from their caveman brain and they're <laughs> deciding whether or not they should expend the energy to listen to you. <laughs> so if you don't capture them in the first 30 seconds, then they're going to check out mentally and they're not going to remember anything you have to say. So that's another thing to keep in mind is like that introduction is so vitally important. And please don't start with like, I'm so happy to be here today. My name's so-and-so because that's not doing you any favors. Let's say that's so spot on because I feel like as a nervous speaker, that is exactly how I would have started. <laughs> Even though when I really think about it, like the speeches that have made an impact on my life or the TED Talks that I've loved have been ones that they've really come out with a bang and like from the get-go have already like had me thinking about something like, oh my God, what are they going to say next? But I feel like for me, I'd be like, hey guys, like thanks for listening. I'm Charisma. Like I, cause I, you know, that imposter syndrome, I definitely think right. would show up for me in the first like 10 seconds. <laughs> so that is an excellent point. Oh my goodness. I actually love all of that information, especially just because I always like, I'm one of those people who likes jokes. So I start my introduction sometimes with like a witty joke. I don't know if it's good or bad, but <laughs> I try like not to say, hey, this is who I am. Because I feel like, especially when you're in a conference, that information is beat into your head through the schedule. So you already know who you're going to see and what the talk is. They uh-huh. don't need me to repeat, I'm Angelica Yard and I'm talking about WordPress. Like they're like, just get yeah, to the Yeah, they point. know who you are Exactly, because that they, they remember that to get to this room. Um, yeah. It's, it's yes, exactly. Okay. And you know, like starting with a joke, it depends on your personality. Like I always feel that that's a lot of pressure because if the joke bombs, right. that's not a great way to start your presentation. <laughs> so sad. You know, and, but you know, if you have a funny story that really works well, that shows off your personality. Because I think, you know, the other thing, about a mistake that I see people make a lot is they're not doing their presentation in a way that makes them stand out and makes them highlight their strengths. Like, you know, they're reading all the blog posts about the 35 things you should do about public speaking and trying to implement them all in one speech. And honestly, that's not who they are. So yeah, starting with a joke might work really well for you. It would be a complete tragedy for me. (laughs) Like, I'm not funny in that way. (laughs) But once you know like what works really well for you and how you stand out and what makes you different as a speaker, it's easier to play with your strengths. That's true. So in addition to being a public speaking coach, you're also an author and you have a podcast. So tell us a little bit more about um, what got you inspired to write your book and to start your, your hosting your own podcast. Yeah, so the book came about because I had been blogging for quite some time and had a ton of information about speaking on my website, and I thought, you know, there's not a lot of great speaking books that are really for entrepreneurs, and my goal was to develop a good, solid book about how to develop your content that was targeted for more creative entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, that's what I decided. And I think part of it is since I come from an academic background, I always thought it would be really cool to have a book. Yes. (laughs) Because that's one of the things academics do. They write books. 
So that was how my book came to be. And the podcast really came from, um, I love talking. More than I love <laughs> Which is a good thing considering your career choice. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like I love talking and I feel like I'm more persuasive when I talk. And I think Ooh, interesting. Yeah, like if you talk to me on the phone, I can be very persuasive. So I think having people hear my voice is a great way for them to get to know me and want to do business with me. But also I love recording the podcast. And my podcast, I you know, it's a solo show, and each show is like less than 10 minutes long, because I don't know about you, but I'm over like our two hour, I've seen over an hour long podcast. Oh like yeah, we see a lot that are like an hour and a half. There's quite a few that are an hour and a half every week, and we're like, I don't know how we do it, and there's two of us, you know what I mean? And we still are like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, I just, and I felt like with speaking, like people just want something that is short, that they can like take something away immediately from it and apply to their next speaking gig. So that's what I try to deliver on in every single show, just giving like a short tidbit that people can apply to their speaking. That's really awesome. And I feel like there's not really a lot of podcasts out there that are focusing on that subject, which is really great because I, I do feel like there's, you know, a lot of podcasts out there that kind of talk about the same thing. So I love that it's something just completely fresh and different. Right. And it's, I love that it's just like in a tip format because you like if you're speaking, which you sometimes you speak often. And I feel like my husband and I we speak every other month now. Like that would be perfect for us to just go in, listen, and say, "Hey, have we thought about this or have you talked about that?" And that would help out a lot. Yeah, be yeah. I'm excited. Well, we definitely um need to get people. We'll have the link to her book and to her podcast and all her information in the show notes, which will be super excited. Um, one thing that I want to know is why should someone hire a public speech speaking coach? Because I never even thought to hire someone to work with me. I just thought I should start speaking because I have knowledge and it's good to share knowledge, but why should someone take the further step as to hiring someone like you? Yeah, I think it's about, well, in, in some ways it's about becoming that bigger version of yourself and your business because all of the top speakers have worked with speaking coaches to either develop their content or to work on their delivery skills and their stagecraft because it's something that you can't do alone. And I think that's a misconception people have. They think, oh, well, I can speak. Yeah. So obviously okay. I can write a speech, but honestly, there's a lot of skill that goes into crafting a speech. And there's a lot of things that you probably don't know that you should be doing in your speech because you're just not trained in it. So I feel like people come to me for several reasons. The, the first reason is the too many ideas. Like I have too many ideas. My message isn't clear enough. I don't know what I want to be known for. Or they don't have a signature talk and they keep like writing a new talk for every single speaking gig that they have, which is not a way to get known for what you do. Yeah. And I and then I think the third thing is really confidence. And confidence not just for like, you know, I can confidently deliver this message, but it's confidence in demanding higher pay. It's confidence in knowing that your speech, if you're doing the type of speech that you want to attract clients with, that that's actually converting the way it should. So I think there is that confidence component because most of my clients don't come to me because they're afraid 
of public speaking. Most of them love being on stage, but their real challenge is packaging their ideas and stories in a way that gets them paid. Mm, I love that. Especially this point you made about having a signature talk, because it wasn't until we started going into conferences that I realized that that was a thing that people had. <laughs> yeah, so my, my brother is a public speaker, and he has a signature talk because he speaks, you know, probably at six or seven places a month, and he's an actor in addition to that. So he, you know, pretty much delivers. I know his speech by heart, actually, <laughs> because I've, I've heard it. First of all, I, you know, was there when he was developing it, and then, you know, saw all the revisions of it, and then you know, every time he goes and speaks somewhere and there's a video and, you know, he'll send it to my mom and me and my mom will watch it each time as if it's like a completely new <laughs> talk. But yeah, I, like I wouldn't have known that had it not been for seeing him do yeah, that. But I, I was like, wow, that makes it a heck of a lot easier. Right. I don't think a lot of creative entrepreneurs know that. No. Yeah, at all. Especially, I feel like, because most people are afraid to go out for speaking gigs, that having a signature talk, I feel like, would make it easier for you, especially if you worked on it and crafted the perfect talk for you to apply and you'd feel confident in applying yeah. for it. And I think it also makes it easier for you to pitch yourself for speaking right. gigs because you know exactly the problem your talk solves, you know what result that you get for the audience, and then it's just a matter of tweaking it for that audience. Right. And you know, I look at some of like the best public speakers, like Les Brown is a huge motivational speaker, yeah. and he gives the same talk down to the gesture, down to the joke every single time you see him speak. So it's not, and I think where creative entrepreneurs get into trouble is they think, oh, well, for every speaking gig, I need to create a new talk. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you want to be known for what you do, you have that signature talk that helps you land your speaking gig. You know, I look at it like, I mean, I look at speaking or your speech like it's another product that you sell in your business. Right. Like you wouldn't change up your coaching services for each and every client. No, or, that would be a complete nightmare. <laughs> yeah, faster. And it's the same thing for your speech. Like you want to put in the same amount of effort and tweaking and, you know, optimization to get it to the best that it can be because then it's so much easier to pitch yourself and to sell the speech. I love that because I'm actually speaking the same talk at the next conference, which it was by accident. Like, it wasn't on purpose, but now that... <laughs> seriously, like, yes, I did it right. right now I'm excited because I made a good mistake and that allows me to... That may be, like, my signature talk. We'll see. Like, that sounds... I don't... Because I, I felt like, oh, no. I'm Like, I almost felt like it was bad that I was speaking about the same thing in a different city, which is ridiculous because most of the people won't even be there and it's just... <laughs> important to have your signature talk now that we've talked to you I'm like really excited about having like maybe a signature talk like this is exciting <laughs> well and I think what else is kind of funny about that it's like oh well you know I have to reinvent the wheel every time because someone else might have seen my speech and I mean I, I think about it as far as like if you're writing a blog post right you want to repurpose that content like repurpose it into a podcast you're going to repurpose it into social media updates um, you might post it on medium like you would do all of these things to get the most out of that piece of content that you wrote and it's the same with a signature talk it's like if you're going to spend 40 hours writing a speech you want to make sure that you can reuse it again and again and again because yeah that it's 
it's going to save you a lot of time and heartache. And also, you have to repeat yourself a lot to be known for what you do. True. That is That's so true. true. Oh, She's my God. So yes. Real. I love yes. this. <laughs> We're just, like, getting our lives from this conversation just because it made sense. But unless you have this conversation, you really wouldn't you really think don't, about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't think about it. That's mm-hmm. really awesome. I wish, like, I mean, I know you do, but I wish this was more like most speaking coaches or people who do public speaking were more vocal about this is why they do it because they want to be known for this thing. Because I think, I feel like, honestly, I felt like the pressure to create a new talk and I have created a new talk. I mean, it's similar themes, but I have redone my slides like over and over again for every speaking opportunity I have. I know my husband has, like he's never used the same talk twice. And now I'm like, (laughs) we don't need to do that ever again. Like, what are we doing with our time? (laughs) We need to focus on making it good. Or, you know, up until a certain point, like what we're doing is we're talking to the same market most of the time. So I think it's ridiculous that we've gone in with a different talk every single time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and the great thing is like, once you have that signature talk, you're always prepared because you never know when speaking gigs are going to happen. Like for instance, a few months ago, I got a call from a friend of mine who I knew was putting on a large conference. And so I answered the call and he was like, hey, what are you doing on November 8th or whatever date it was? And I'm like, and I knew that was the date of the conference. And I was like, uh, why? He said, yeah, so we put you on the agenda and never asked you to speak. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. And luckily, like, I had a signature talk. I was able to adapt it to, like, the theme of the conference pretty easily. And it was easy for me to give. Like, it wasn't, like, this huge stressful, oh, my gosh, now I have to write a new speech. And this is a great opportunity. But I have to, like, do all of this work. It was like, oh, yeah, I can adapt this. No problem. Sure, I'm in. Yeah, that's actually accurate. We're organizers of our local WordCamp group, which is a nonprofit it's a conference, basically, at the end of the year. Um, and there ha- that's the opera- the events that we speak at. So we speak at uh-huh. a lot of work camps. But there's been plenty of times where we're like, oh, we got to jump in and do a talk. <laughs> and yeah. so we spend all night going over and creating slides because somebody dropped and out. And now you know. You can and just, just like, take what you already have. done. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this is blowing my mind. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Well, this is um, something that's been a, a hot topic in I feel like in the creative industry, especially in design and development, is that um, diversity in conferences and just getting people to submit for talks. And a lot of times it's like, why aren't women or why aren't you know people of color or whatever the case may be on the agenda list? And a lot of times the conference organizers push back and I say, no one applied. And it's been true. I think we've seen in our own um, experiences of being conference organiza- organizers is that people of color and women generally don't submit talks and why is it important for creative entrepreneurs especially women to to be encouraged to book speaking gigs and why should we be going out and trying to speak especially when we have expertise in what we're doing Oh, well, I think that's the reason, because you have expertise in what you're doing, and women's voices need to be represented. And one of the things I have noticed throughout my career in communication is that women have always been underrepresented. Like, I think when I was on the speech and debate team in high school, or in college, the debate for debating, if you were a male-male team, you were far more successful than a female-female debate team. And, like, it just always blew my mind. Like, having a female on the debate team was actually a liability. 
And I never understood why that was, but then I moved into, I was in Toastmasters for a while, and they have Mm. the World Championship of Public Speaking. And typically, that's all dudes. Yeah, I went to Toastmasters once with my husband. We were invited by another male friend, of course, (laughs) and I was the only woman in the room. (laughs) It was really awkward. (laughs) And and I was like, okay, well, that's really weird, too. And then with professional speaking, I know a lot of people have been talking about there aren't as many women. I think part of this, you know, part of it is a historical problem because motivational speaking started off as kind of a men's game. Like women weren't invited. Toastmasters didn't allow women into the organization until 1973. Which is So it's only been 42 years. Oh, my goodness. And now it's like, okay, there are all these amazing women out there who want to be speakers. And it really is about putting yourself out there and pitching. And if you have that signature talk, it becomes easier to pitch yourself. And a little unscientific study. So I have a Facebook group for my Rebel Speaker podcast. And one week I decided, okay, let's do like a week-long pitch-a-thon where we will support each other and I'll provide you with some resources on how to pitch. And it was just, it wasn't even just speaking gigs. It was a podcast or guest blog post or whatever you wanted to pitch to get more visibility. And I had about 30 people who were like, yeah, I'm totally in. And then three people who actually pitched. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really weird because I think we as women hold ourselves back. And yeah, you might be rejected. You will be rejected. Definitely. But that's okay. And we can't, you know, conference organizers can't book speakers who don't apply. <laughs> right. <laughs> I definitely like, think that's true. And I definitely, like, like I just feel like in, in all communities in Fort, or in all areas, that's the sort of thing is that women are just, you know, underrepresented across the board. Right. You and know? we just need to figure out, like, you need to be encouraged to do things. And I definitely, I think it's interesting that you said 30 people were interested. Yeah. Which I think is Sometimes always the you, case. I yeah, like yeah the you, it really sounds high. great. And then when it comes to actually doing it, you kind of talk yourself out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I definitely got, like, my first official rejection earlier this year. I was talking to Charisma about it. And I was like, oh, well. Yeah, so you really handled <laughs> it really, it really well. It really wasn't it a so big well. deal. And I think if more women knew that just someone saying, you can't speak at my conference, like, it's okay, because the next week, I got an acceptance for another conference, I think... The world still turns. It's still good. (laughs) Nothing broke down, no one died, because I didn't speak at this conference. Oh, yeah, well, and here's the other thing, if you don't apply, you've already rejected yourself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's better to get rejected by them to just not even give yourself the opportunity. Yes. Yes, because, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well, if I don't apply, then I can't be rejected, but you've already rejected yourself. And it's like, no, just put yourself out there and see what happens. So I have to know, when you are speaking, do you ever still get nervous? And if so, what do you do? Because I really do want to speak, but I really do get nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I still get nervous. Um, So a little story, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a workshop on my signature speak for impact process that I use with my clients, but I was doing a workshop for a group of deaf business owners. So everyone in the room was deaf except me and the interpreters, and they, and the vast majority of the room didn't vocalize. Right. So it was all sign. And I have to say, like, I've never spoken to a group like that before, and I was 
terrified. <laughs> like it, it just made me so nervous. I was so worried that I wouldn't be giving them what they need. Like I was yeah. like, I knew the content was solid, but it's just that fear of the unknown and not knowing how it was going to go. Yeah. And so what I do to manage my nerves, um, one of the things that I do all the time before a speaking gig is I try to work out the morning before a speaking gig just to get your heart. Oh, pumping. that's so smart. Well, because it burns off the adrenaline. True. And when you're getting nervous from speaking for speaking, it's because you have adrenaline pumping through your body. And that gives you, you know, the sweaty palms and the shaky voice. That's all adrenaline related. So if you're able to work out beforehand, it can kind of take the edge off of the adrenaline. And science has shown that those effects can last up to eight hours after you exercise. Right. You're so full just of endorphins. getting your heart pumping helps. I also love to use um, Amy Cuddy's power pose that she talks about in her yes. TED Talk, like Sandman yes. like Wonder Woman for yes, two minutes. Yes, I love it. So Yes, that makes <laughs> me feel so good. And then I think the other thing that really helps me is when I get in front of the room or take the stage, I always take like 10 seconds to feel the floor underneath my feet and feel grounded and make eye contact with the audience and smile at them and take a deep breath and then begin. Because if you are nervous, the worst thing that you can do is run up on stage and start talking immediately because you will run out of breath and then you're just going to be chasing your breath through the rest of the presentation. That is accurate. My first talk, I talked about, I think maybe I talked about it on the podcast or maybe I didn't, but I had what I call crying voice, which oh, no. sounded like I was going to cry <laughs> yeah. for the last like 20 <laughs> minutes of it. it. And it's because I got so nervous and I was talking so fast and I guess I ran out of like, you know, adrenaline and then I just sounded like I was going to cry. And I hate that this video is still online to this day and it just sounds so terrible. Oh no! Oh. This idea of getting rid of your adrenaline though beforehand has like changed my yeah, life on literally yeah. every level. Not oh, even just speaking because I'm like, now before I have like a meeting and I'm nervous go I might not book, I'm just going to go work out first. Like that's mind blowing. That's like the best piece of information I've gotten in a, a while. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're having this physical response so doing something physical will help you yeah like, alleviate that oh that's so true no one thinks of the science behind that but that's very true you're so smart I'm so glad you're here <laughs> I'm just you. like could I hug you and put you in a bubble I know we wish we could forever. hug you you're not physically here for those yes, who are listening but we, but would hug we you. are virtually <laughs> hugging you seriously Aww, oh my goodness you. well Michelle are you doing anything interesting that you want to talk about or promo or fun stuff coming up well, let's see. I just launched a new website, which I'm super excited so about. Great. I say it's really beautiful. We have it right here. Yes, over at drmichellemazur.com. Yes. And what I'm really excited about is with that, I launched a new tool to help people find what I call your unfair speaking advantage. Mm -hmm. And that's 
how you stand out as a speaker. And what's very cool is if you work through this, by the end of it, you'll have a positioning statement for how you're different. So you can use that like in pitches, you can use it in your speaking bio, you can use it on your speaking page of your website. But it's a really cool way to start thinking about how you're different as a speaker, how you stand out, what results you get for your audience. So the goal is to make it easier for people to pitch themselves as speakers so that they get out there more. And also, I think it's a good way, to, like a basis to start a talk, like understanding what results you're getting for the audience and what your unique strengths are. So I'm super excited about that. And people can find that at drmichellemazur.com backslash advantage. Ooh, I love that. Just because the one speaking get that I did get rejected from, I'm saying this like I apply to speak all the time it's not that many um but the one time that I did reject it I feel like it's because I applied to a um conference that had a lot of people who were basically like me like so I think everyone that applied to speak was doing exactly the same thing that I was doing and I remember definitely not positioning myself in a way that would have been um valuable for the conference organizers to say yeah we really need her there were like there are five hers that just applied so <laughs> yes and we know like Two other hers, so right. we'll go with those two. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I feel like we are, as organizers, sometimes you are a little bit more lenient to go with someone you know just because the familiarity and your, it's sometimes it's really hard to take a chance on a new speaker. But as we've grown, we know that we're very, we're very open uh, exactly to have more newer speakers come out and apply. So if you haven't gone to a WordCamp, Ever. They're usually always by your house. They're very, um, they're global. <laughs> they're, they're by your house. They're they are, they are by they your are house. house. <laughs> they really are. Like, I mean, people would be very surprised at how, like, easy it is to get to. They're very inexpensive. Very inexpensive. So even if you're not applying to speak, just attending is like $30 to $40 for three days. Yeah. <laughs> you get three oh, days wow, of conference and you get all this deal. swag and you get to meet all these people. For $30. Like it's yeah, say, and I can't speak for, like, all of the ones everywhere, but at least the one that was in Orlando, because I know the companies that they worked with, they had great sponsors, they had, they just worked with, like, the best of the best, the space, like, it was at a great space, like, everything about it was just fantastic. I could not believe the price. Right, yeah, the price is so inexpensive. Like, you get so much stuff. Like, we, and we just got into kind of, like, the WordCamp life style, I guess, but, I mean, we have friends that go to them all the time or speak at them all the time, uh -huh. and you just come back with so much, especially because a speaker... We have so many WordPress bags, you guys. <laughs> like, uh, so many of them. I use one every day, and it has, like, a Harry Potter's hat on it. <laughs> because that's what our theme was last year. But, yeah, I definitely want to encourage people to, at least locally, try to find, like, your creative mornings group or your WordCamp group if you're into WordPress or something, a smaller community, your AIGA group, and reach out and try to pitch yourself to speak. Because I feel like locally, we're always looking for new talent in those areas specifically to um, share their stories, especially for creative entrepreneurs. So I think it's just important for people to say, okay, the, the worst thing they can say is no. Yes. And I think that's the thing, because, I mean, when people come to me and they say, oh, well, I'm struggling to land speaking gigs, blah, 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 I'm always like, uh, how are you pitching yourself? Because I hear that a lot from people who organize conferences, that they're always on the lookout for good talent, for a different and unique voice, you know, someone who's going to bring something different to their event or to their organization. And what I find nine out of ten times when they pitch me, because I'll then I'll be like, okay, so how are you pitching yourself? And then they'll pitch me, and I'm like, wow, that sounds like a million other speakers out there. <laughs> right. 
That's why that tool sounds perfect. Yeah. I'm going to definitely be checking it out as soon as the podcast is over. <laughs> right. Gonna... I'm like, I need to know right now. <laughs> Seriously. Well, thank amazing. you so much for talking to us today, Michelle. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Awesome. So as usual, in the show notes, Angel will have all the amazing stuff that we talked about today, and she'll have all of Michelle's information for you guys to check out. You can write to us. Or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Heart and Hustle Podcast, Twitter, uh, Heart Hustle Pod, and use the hashtag Boss So Hard to find us. And also, today I'm going to make Angel do some fun stuff on Snapchat so you can find us at Charisma Moran. I'm stuck, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's trapped. Advanced. All right, oh. guys, we'll see you next week. All right, bye. bye.